to the Strategic Life Podcast, episode 28, Culture of Success, with your host, Coach Mario. Dr. Mario. Along with Frank. And our first ever special guest with the Strategic Life Podcast. We'd like to introduce you to a man with many titles. One of them happens to be founder and CEO of the Kelwell Corporation, uh, Mr. Joseph Broadwell. How you doing, guys? Glad to be here. Yeah, we're, we're glad to have you. So thank you so much for honoring us with your presence. For those who don't know Joe, and now you will, so told you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Joe is the CEO and founder of Kelwo Corporation, which is one of the largest independently owned food service companies in, that's the nation? In the nation. In the, on the planet? Uh, stick with the U.S. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> He's been in business over 29 years. Next year will be the big 30. Um, they specialize in things such as government contractors, uh, contracts for food service, commissary, and uh, technology as well. We're getting, yes, sir. You've gotten into technology. Is that recent? Yes, sir. Excellent. Yes, sir. So we got a lot of questions for you, Joe. Well, we're 30 ready. years. That's a long time. It's a lot of information. We're going we're gonna to squeeze out of that little brain. <laughs> and when I say little, I mean huge. This is my inferiority complex kicking. <laughs> <laughs> so we, I'm just going to open it up here. Joe, what is, what's, what is the secret sauce? How, do you, how did you start and I, I can't even fathom. How, where did you, how can you possibly sustain something so great and have continually had it grow? Like, Which started as a family-owned business. Yeah. How did, tell us, tell well, us the I'll secret. Just, I'll tell you, the, you know, what got it started. Um, I worked for another company that didn't really care about their customers. Um, they did a great job of making a profit, but at the end of the day, it was short-lived because they were always coming and going. And uh, I knew I could, I just knew there was a better way and a better, you know, a better performance could be had. So I took the gamble and said, you know, I'm going to start my own food service business. And I stepped out on faith and said, the one thing we'll do, and we still live by it today, is... Our commitment to our customer cannot be beat by anybody else. Mm. So, Joe, I, I love hearing stuff like that, right? The business. Um, so, a couple questions, and, and we're asking this on behalf of our listeners. So, when you guys started this, or you started this, was it just by yourself? What, what did the team look like? Was it, I mean, you took a gamble on yourself, but was it difficult to get followers? And, and you said, hey, I, I'm quitting my job, and I'm going to chase the dream because I can feel I can do it better and bigger than anybody. Yeah, I mean, I, I did. I stepped out, quit my job, had no, uh, uh, I burnt the ships. There wasn't nowhere to go. But up. And, <laughs> Burn the uh, boats. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, we, we put out bids on business. And the first two we won, we overwhelmed the customers with great service. And uh, I did have a silent partner that helped us get started and uh, was around for about uh, 25 years, the first 25 years. And uh, then later we purchased them out and... But we just kept that commitment in the fun. You know, when I look back, we just grinded. I mean, we just grinded. We lived by our mission where service still counts. And we lived every day by that motto and every meal and every interaction with our customer, whatever it took. You know, we wanted that customer to just think we were the best thing coming. And uh, we grew the first 27 years of this business without a sales team. Wow. Wow. We've only had salespeople working for us the last three years. It was all by word of mouth and by our customers telling other customers, hey, if you really want good service, you want a good product, right here are the guys you got to go with. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. 
I, I don't think I've ever heard those words. We just formed a sales team in year 27. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a great big team. We hired one guy. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> we had known him a long time, though. That's amazing. And, and Joe, so uh, the secret sauce to all this, like what is it that you guys base your company on internally? So if you look back at all 29 years going on 30, what would you say is, hey, this is what drove us. This is what keeps us together. You know, that, that level of commitment where service still counts. It's on all of our cards. It's on all of our printed material. Um, our commitment to our employees also. You know, we, we each year put out posters for our employees to live by and it's give them the rules of what we're going to do for them instead of the rules of what they got to do for us. Wow. Uh, this tells them our commitment to them. And so keeping all that team involved, uh, we have weekly meetings with all the employees. They can get on the, uh, the meeting, the zoom meeting, mm -hmm. ask us anything they want. We rotate executives on the meetings. So somebody's always on there that maybe they've never met. Uh, and this is all the way down. They can do it from their iPhone. And the amazing part is, uh, you know, for somebody to spend their time with you is very valuable. It's the one thing they can't get back, you know, and that's been said a million times by other people, but probably as much as 30, 40% of the company will get on our calls. Hmm. And just to hear what's coming and just to say, uh, you know, how, they, how they're doing down there. And sometimes they'll bring unique problems that we don't even know about <laughs> that we can resolve generally pretty quick. And... Uh, it's small things maybe to us, but to those in the field, it's big things. And in today's times, employees are hard to come by. Oh, yeah. It's a valuable commodity. Always has been. We've treated them that way forever. So, uh, why you know, for us, recruiting is always difficult. But our goal is not to recruit as many as it is to retain as many. So, we have a lot of long-term employees, a lot of folks that have been with us, you know, 20 years plus. Joe, how many facilities do you service currently? How many employees do you have um, to do this mission? Three, I think we have 360 employees right now, and we're, we're in about 120 facilities, 122, somewhere in that range. Right now. Nationwide. Wow. Yeah, nationwide. Wow, that's amazing. And, and I've heard some testimonies of you service a lot of prison facilities and how sometimes other organizations have either attempted or gotten a the contracts and the prisoners or the individuals that eat the meals want Kelwell to come back or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. That's that to me is, is huge. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. It's just, it's just in everything you do, if you put your heart into it and it, it's not a, uh, you know, it's not a job. It, it, it's a mission. It really is. Uh, you know, we have a little saying with a lot of our cooks, you know, is we're going to put a little love in the pot. Uh, and, and, you know, if, Grandma cooked a stew at home. It was always better than a can of Denny Moore. So, not picking on Denny Moore. So I'm sure they're a great. <laughs> so, Joe, I, I don't know if you mind sharing, but I think if I remember correctly, correct me. Cancel if it doesn't apply. But if I remember correctly, you shared a story of someone who sought out a recipe after his release from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could, would you mind sharing that? Because I think I think that's a testimony to how how good of a product you had. And how bad someone wanted it. And have. Currently. Yeah, and we actually had a, a, a former detainee write us and ask us for one of our uh, casserole recipes. Uh, he liked it so much while he was in and asked for it. Uh, and even at that level of detainee, we used to have, and we have stopped doing it just recently with the COVID things and things, but we had, in the past, we've had the detainees have recipe contests. 
let them submit their grandmother's recipe. And whoever wins, wow. that's what we cook throughout the population for that period of time. You know, for that time, they win. And, and we call it, you know, Johnny's, you know, uh, Chili Mac or whatever it was. <laughs> you named it after them. Or, yeah, we, we cool. give them the recognition that it's their, their recipe or their grandma's recipe or their mama's recipe. And, uh, and you know, we select a winner. And, you know, we haven't done it in a little bit, but uh, it's one of the things we want to get back to doing because it gets everybody involved. And then everybody's a part of something. Yes. I should do that with taxes. <laughs> and for sure, yeah. somebody's going to end up as the day team. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so. yeah, I want to learn how to do the numbers myself. <laughs> well, listen, there's always some room where, where we work. <laughs> you, can, yeah, you can share a bed with someone. Yeah. <laughs> said, so, yeah, so the recipe was so good. Uh, he was, uh, after his release, he went looking for the real recipe. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. There's, so there's a story you didn't think you'd ever hear. So... <laughs> Let's talk about at least. I mean, well, there's there's lots of subjects. I mean, we're gonna get into it, and if, as long as Joe doesn't, you know, run away from us, <laughs> uh, you know, there's things that come to mind, such as sustainability. You know, besides the secret sauce, you know, what's how did the longevity that was there? You know, how did you do that and all that? But what about within the last, um, let's say, you know, since COVID started, was there any? What was the most mm-hmm. difficult situation that perhaps you saw from there that you had to overcome? These sound like interview questions, like a job. What was a so, what was something difficult you had to overcome, and how did you <laughs> overcome it? Well, and, and again, COVID was unique to everybody. This was something no yeah. one knew. You know, we you know we're in a, a time that our nation's never seen, our world's never seen. So it called for you know instantly. You know, we we got together and said, what are we going to do here? We didn't even know what was coming down the pike. But the one thing we committed to was what's most important to us, and that's our employees. So we said, whoever gets COVID, no matter what, we'll pay them for however long they're out. So we made that commitment. And, it, and you know, I don't know how many it was. I never really kept tabs. I'm sure, you know, the accounting people in the room with no windows. What do you mean, you people? <laughs> <laughs> you never let Frank. Never now, let, now we got no windows. Yeah. Right. First time I got to jail. Now I got no, why are you guys always picking now, on me? Now, you, now you're incarcerated. It's, yeah. But and the, in solitude. Thanks. Wait, does your office, Frank, have windows? Yes. Okay. Just but we'll wait. give you good stew. <laughs> we, got, we have a recipe for that. That Amphor casserole that Joe's about to name. <laughs> So they, uh, you know, we, we just decided that, you know, our commitment has to be these folks because they're going to obviously, you know, we did not know how bad this, this pandemic was going to become. So, you know, we said, look, as long as we can sustain life and keep going, mm-hmm. this is our commitment to our folks first. And um, a lot of us have went and worked at places. I just last week was in a facility and worked to help someone out who had three employees out with COVID. Mm. Uh, so we're in our second round of COVID, as everybody knows now. And uh, the supply chain's broken with as in most industries but within the food industry uh i can give you a simple example a year and a half ago you could buy a case of peaches for about 28 30 bucks today the freight from china to the united states for peaches is over 30 per case Hmm. so peaches are now 60 to 70 dollars a case Wow. so um things are changing you're really the meat market as everyone knows just shrank oh yeah with, with the lack of employees the lack of shifts being run so meat is 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 really tough. Um, so prices are high, and um, we have to be working sixteen hours a day on sourcing. And the one thing we've done and tried to do is we've not went to our clients and said, "Hey, we need more money." A lot of our other folks have. Uh, we have sustained it by sharpening our pencil and really sourcing product 
and really pushing the edge on getting a quality product for a better price instead of going to the lower grade or, you know, trying to find something cheaper, which is not even out there no more. Uh, so the reality is, you know, you got to have a sharp pencil and you got to have a real commitment to your customer. Yeah, and, and for our listeners out there, what Joe's talking about is it's just the inflation that we've seen, even year-over-year growth. Um, gas is up 41.8%, energy's up 23.8%, fuel 39.1%, uh, cars, automotive is up 417 the purchasing and renting. Um, and then, Joe, this one's, uh, I'll leave this one for last, but clothing is up 4%, transportation is up 6%, and food cost is up 3.4% up just on, this is wholesale. So on the retail side, you also can add extra stuff to there. And then those are challenges you guys are seeing in your business. How is it that financially, and maybe not financially, but how, what's been the key for you guys to being resourceful with these moments? Because um, we talk a lot about that, right? Hey, you have to be resourceful. There's always a solution to the problem, and you have to, like you said, sharpen your pencil and get to it, find it. Um, can you walk us through what that is like, like your mental state when you have to attack these problems? The first thing I think you have to do is have a belief that there's a solution out there. And by the way, I just want to say, yes. we can tell who doesn't have a window in this room right now. <laughs> <laughs> His name is Frank. <laughs> I, I got two windows. <laughs> But the first thing you do is believe in the solution and, and just say, guys, this is what we're going to do. You know, we're not going to, you know, say, oh, well, you know, we're going to raise prices. We're going to raise prices. We're going to raise prices. That's the easy way out. So the hard way is, you know, to have a wide array of sources um, and dig deep with all of them. And if you've had great relationships after 29 years, you find friends in the business. Hey, Joe, you took care of us all these years. You know, and I go and say, look, we got to find X, you know, and it's in, in the large quantity, millions of pounds of uh, ground beef. But we need it to be in this market because we don't want to ask the customer for nothing. We want the customer who's also going through COVID, and that's what people tend to forget. Yeah, we, we see our scenario. We yeah. see the four, you know, and in our industry, we're looking at about a 14% wholesale increase. Uh, because in, in, in our lines, we're in the school line, those type of lines, that's the lines that the big companies, the Tysons, the Butterballs, are not manufacturing because it's not their high-profit lines. So they're pushing the high-profit lines, which is the high-end lines, which drives our costs up a lot higher. Um, so understanding that our customer is going through COVID also. So to be a good steward of their money, only earns us their graciousness for long term. So that's what we do. We sit at the table and say, what can we do to help our customer through this crisis? Not what can we do to stay more profitable? So it's the questions you ask. And, uh, and then you just do your work. You just go to your sources. You keep digging, you keep digging, you keep digging. Maybe the well run dry someday. I don't know. I don't believe it will. It hasn't yet. But I believe if you dig, you're going to find the gold. Just got to move a lot of pans of dirt sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I think if I remember correctly, you, there was another scenario you had shared in, on an offline conversation where there were some shifts on some other shifting goods, uh, on some other goods that had gone up. And so you guys went to back to the drawing board on the recipes you guys even made. Shifting, I think it was like pita for bread or, you know, because yeah. something like that. So the ingenuity just wasn't at the price retention. And of course, just not doing the easy thing with the markup is that you guys went back and actually started modifying your menus for items that could, you know, keep yourselves under and substitute without sacrificing quality. 
Yeah, the number one thing is to never lower the standards. So no matter what, you don't lower the standard. Uh, but yeah, we went back and said, all right, what can we do different? What's going to be received as an improvement? What is our customer? And ultimately, our customers who puts the food in their mouth is going to say, hey, this is cool. This is different. This is good. And so that we did. We made a bunch of changes, uh, went to some different type of sandwiches instead of just uh, bread sandwiches because bread went through the ceiling. It actually tripled. Our price of bread tripled. So, uh, and it was, again, the manufacturer had to cut down how many shifts he ran. So the ones he didn't sacrifice was his high end. Yep. So understand it. He'd done it for his business. Um, so we just made adjustments. We used less bread. We went to baking our own rolls making our own hamburger buns, making our own hot dog buns. And, uh, man, they were well-received. I mean, you know, we worked on the recipe, tweak, 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 asked for input from our customers, took some samples around, hit home runs. And, you know, I actually have certain, I have certain uh, wardens who have asked for uh, six-packs of uh, hamburger buns to take home. <laughs> <laughs> to take home. <laughs> Look at here, Mr. Cowell. I, I got a 4th of July party coming up. I don't need to. I'm going to need to Labor Day's around the corner. I need, yeah. I need to pinch some of your buns. I mean, not, re- not really, but really. Oh, that's great. That man. is truly the picture of a culture of success. And I actually, uh, guys, uh, had the privilege of uh, seeing the, a photograph of Joe uh, where he actually had to roll up his sleeves and go to a facility uh, because of the shortage of employees and that sort of thing. And for a CEO to, you know, get back in the trenches when he's needed, that's a true sign of leadership. So I, I've got to, you know, take off my hat to you, Joe. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. No, and it's amazing, too, that that you want to retain your staff. Uh, that That's a key thing. Um, we tell people all the time when, when, when we work with different businesses and different personalities and characters, um, the whole world is short staff. Like, be grateful for the people that are there helping you, right? Because things aren't going as fast as they normally should. Um, other companies are struggling to, to maintain, um, and, and they're either struggling to maintain in general, or they're just short staffed with the labor. And and labor on, on the balance sheet is mostly like a liability. But you look at them as an asset. Hey, this is our labor force. This is what pushes us forward. Um, and, and it's good to see that you cherish and take care of that. Yeah, I mean, you, you take an employee, and I have an interaction with a client twice a year maybe, at best, at a conference or something to that effect. But that frontline employee meets my client every day, every day, says hello, good morning, or if they're not happy, what kind of image are they going to give of the company they work for? So, you know, as we talked about labor, the number one thing, retention. you got to focus on what you have. It's hard to get more of them. So, you know, I, I guess I attribute that back to the old days, you know, uh, back uh, before there were cars now. <laughs> I was going to say my old days are anything before 83, so I don't know how old but we're getting. When, when, I, you know, when I was a teenager, I couldn't afford another car. So let me tell you, that car got babied. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing here. You know, when you have one of something that works, you better take care of it. And we've got a lot of great folks. I mean, there's so many people out there that just have went above and beyond. Uh, and we try to reward that. I mean, 
you know, with numerous different ways. We, you know, we have the coin. We give just for a small thing. You know, someone just really puts out a good meal. We and we come by and see it, or a district manager is in there. We, we you know, we have the coin. We flip them. You know, a little medallion coin yeah. just says Charlie's you did a great coins. job. Doing it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, people that work above and beyond. You know, you just can't you can't pay them enough. You can't thank them enough. Um, that's the core of your business. That's what builds that business. That and they buy into your mission statement, and they live it. And that's the thing. You know, I I could take you around the country, and, uh, and the great part is these these calls, the people that have called and just say, "Listen, I've worked all over, but I love being here." Hmm. It's not the money. You know, uh, an entry level service job is not going to make anybody rich. Yeah. But at the end of the day. You know, they are providing for their family the best way they can. It might be a second job for the family or whatever. But the thing, if they like coming to work and we let them know how valuable they are and our commitment to them, they'll give 110%. It's proven out time after time. Yeah, what's, inter- what's interesting about that, Joe, is that you went from shifting from talking about your, your actual your clients and then your actual staff but it's still one and the same as it's essentially the, re- the retention and taking care of your people and treating them right. So essentially you don't need more customers. You need more, more, cust- more, more, more clients that are committed to your cause. And same thing, just like with your employees, you don't need more employees sometimes unless you do, unless you're outgrowing them, but unless you just need more that are committed to your cause, to your mission, to your purpose, essentially, because otherwise you just might have a high turnaround. <laughs> so in essence, you do need more, but if you are truly putting them first clients, and your employees, then you have a recipe for success on its own. It's a secret sauce. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i just amazed, uh, Joe. And I've watched you for the last, what, three or four years? Yes. And uh, the organization. And that culture of success is not something that just happens automatically. It really is driven by the heart of the leader. And so I have to really commend you. What I'm hearing, guys, today is this culture of success is all about great service it's all about commitment. It's all about living the mission, not just having a mission statement. It's all about that care of the team members and care of the stakeholders. That's really evident uh, because in a world that today uh, cuts corners, yeah. we've gone to the restaurants, right, Frank? Oh, you can yeah. see less food, uh, less staff, so delays and those sort of things. Less quality food. Less quality food as well. What we can hear, see, and feel from you is that it doesn't have to be that way. If you care for your people, they will care for you. And, and this culture of success is something that is created, and that's what I'm hearing. So I've got to take my hat off to you. Yeah, and those things have to be, you have to have a dedication, a discipline to that consistency. Like it has to be every day. Um, and, and, and you're hearing it from from somebody like Joe. Uh, even during tough times, you can find a way to, to provide better for the world, to give more. Um, even even when resources are, are scarce, uh, whether it's labor or, or goods or, or some sort of service you can find, um, you know, be that change that you want to see in the world and, and stick to it every day because that's going to drive. Uh, Joe, one more question. What would what advice would you give to like young entrepreneurs, somebody who's thinking about either opening their own business yeah. or just opened it up? Because we get a lot of those, and and we want to make sure that 
you know, if, if rewind it back 29 years. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. so, and, so when, and if when, you can give yourself advice at that point, what would it be? Yeah, so let's break Frank's up. I was going to end with that too. So we're on the same page here. It's a good thing we prepared. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I missed that session. Yeah. So I want to break that down into two questions, right? The first part, definitely what Frank said. From the beginning, someone to, that's looking into it or who just started, Right. What advice would you give them? And then someone else who's along the way who might be facing difficulty, uh, you know, because of these, t- these tough times, mm-hmm. these, this, this, the shifting, uh, not just COVID. We're talking about technology, which is, you know, that's the last thing you'd think you'd hear. Oh, I have a food, uh, a food service company. Yeah. yeah, no, but I have a technology division, too. That's a sign of you adapting to the surrounding environment. So, I mean, again, it's it's an amazing thing what you've done so far and just, you know, moving from one thing to another. But, yeah, so what would you tell... Part one of Frank's question. <laughs> what would what advice would you give to yourself twenty nine years ago, or someone else in the business who's uh, in a, any business just starting out who's wanting to uh, you know be successful? Some people want that. I would tell them commit to quality in whatever product you sell. Commit to the quality and never shake it. I mean, whatever you decide you're going to be, your integrity has to be impeccable. You have to live it every day, and, and be the model. You have to be the model. When you're there, it, it has to be above and beyond. And listen, don't value money over your name. Because hmm. wow. everybody gets short-sighted. Well, we got to make payroll this week. we got to make this. That's short-sighted. I mean, truly, you do have to make it. That's just business. Those economics don't change. Those are just raw numbers. But they're not, they're not the uh, spirit or the culture of a business. Because hmm. everybody has them. The spirit of the culture is that commitment. You know, um, I, I won't name names, but, you know, there are some airlines that are <laughs> friendlier and more entertaining and fun to fly. You know, they still have to make payroll. Mm-hmm. But they don't change their core, uh, their core beliefs. And uh, there are certain fast food chains, you know. It, you know, it's a pleasure to serve you today. Mm-hmm. We like hearing that. You know, I don't know their, I don't know their reason they do it, but they're so daggone successful. Mm-hmm. And everybody can sell a sandwich. You know, listen, everybody has a cash register, everybody has a building. <laughs> That's true, but it's it's that culture that you're talking about. It is. It's that culture of success. Wow. Amazing. All right. So that's that's what we tell the newbies. And now what about somebody who's maybe been in business and uh, is having difficulties, whether it's COVID, you know, just adapting to difficulties? What advice would you give them as someone with all these years of wonderful experience? Well, if it was somebody who's going through a hard time, you know, you got to stop looking in the mirror and say, this is what will define you. The good times don't. Mm. This is going to decide where you fit in the pecking order. Uh, you know, Super Bowls are won by great plays. And, you know, in business or Super Bowls that come along, whether COVID be one of those challenges, I don't know. Someone else will judge that. But every time there's a challenge, treat it like it's your Super Bowl. Mm. And that's when you rise to the top. I love it. I love it. We're nearing, Frank, the end of the fourth quarter here <laughs> of the year. So if if the ball is in your court, it's time to keep your eyes focused on the goalpost. And, uh, you know, despite the fact that uh, the economy is being challenged and labor is at an all-time concern, staying focused, what I'm hearing from Joe, is keeping your eyes on the prize and maintaining integrity. And keeping your word and taking care of these employees is number one. And get a window. 
<laughs> That's Frank. If, if you're counting your windows, you probably don't have enough. <laughs> Someone has two. <laughs> yeah, if, if I can just wrap it up on, on this end. If, oh, absolutely. If you're going to, if, if at the end of this, there is going to be a bright, sunshiny day. I, I promise. Or my firm belief is, and the guys that ride through this will come out on top. In that shiny day, I pro- you know, with the level of integrity, level of commitment to maintaining who you are and being true to yourself, you'll be the guy on top when the sun comes up and all this nastiness is over. Thank you for listening. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, we would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at Instagram and Facebook at Strategic Life Podcast, Twitter at Strategic Life PC, our website, strategiclifepodcast.com, or email us at action at strategiclifepodcast.com. This podcast is sponsored by the Neurostrategic Coaching Institute and for our business solutions with music provided by Gorilla Tech.